Okay, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divine. My name is Tom. I'm a brand strategy and design consultant and I am based out of The Commons, which is a co-working space in Melbourne. As always, I'm joined by co-host Nick. G'day guys, how are we doing? Uh, I'm Nick. I run a digital agency um, and build websites and web apps for businesses. And today we are joined by Sam. G'day Sam. G'day. Thanks how for joining us today, today, Sam. No problem, no problem. Yeah, I'm good today, good today. It's uh, it's uh, a warm day in Bali at the moment. but Beautiful thing. Well, and what do you do, Sam? So, um, yeah, I'm a brand strategist uh, myself. I have my own um, brand strategy and design studio. Uh, we're a nomadic studio, so we move around a bit. We're currently based, as I say, in Bali. Um, and I have a wealth of experience in web development and things like that, but it's a recent turn of events for me to get into brand strategy so interesting okay. co- code cool. coding still exists very deep in my heart uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> cool okay and so today we're going to talk about um the roles that exist in in front end front end web dev but i guess or, or not the roles that necessarily exist already but i guess some of the roles that front end devs take on in their day-to-day work which really could be um separate entire roles in and of themselves so we're going to explore that a little bit um, but I guess before we sort of get into the meat and guts of it, um, what have you been doing in the past week or so, uh, Tomo? Well, yeah, the past, we're, we're really talking the, the past couple of days. I think mm. we caught up two days ago um, and that was like... Oh, wow, really? Was it that soon? Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty podcast-heavy day. Did one with you and Corey and uh, also that's appeared right. on um, a podcast that's... They released their first episode last week, I believe. And oh, cool. Okay. They're, they're called Dismantle. Um yeah, it was really interesting because they have like they have a full like film setup. Um, oh, okay. So they're releasing the episodes on YouTube as well. So uh-huh, uh-huh. I hope they make me look pretty. <laughs> Good luck <laughs> <to> that. <laughs> um, and aside from that, yeah, just uh, caught up with an old friend who came around for dinner last night. Made some um, nasi goreng, which is probably relevant for you, Sam, being in Indonesia. <laughs> Indeed, it is. Um, and that's about it. What have you been up to the past week, Sam? Um, we have been working on a logo identity for a, for a client in the UK, actually. So that's been that's been really fun. Yeah, cool. um, taking them taking them through the process and whatever, and uh, yeah, we're just getting into the refinement of that at the moment. Are you finding being sort of a bit nomadic that a lot of your clients are from the UK still, or is it sort of spreading out a lot now that you're sort of moving around a bit? It's. I mean, we still work with people from Sydney, um, yeah, and okay. we've done. We've even done work from the US. But um, yep. yeah, we're, we're trying to hang on to those clients that we meet and that we work with, and yeah, know, sure. as you do. But yeah, yeah looking cool. for new markets elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. And um, what about you, Nick? What have you been up to the past few days? Um, I've moved um, accommodation into sort of a more quiet uh, oh, place. Have you? Yeah, so that's been really good. I've been able to focus on work and not get dragged out um, every night. So that's been All nice. Right. The party hostel um, has run its course. Yeah, that's right. It has. Uh, <laughs> although enough. I did go back there last night for a couple of drinks. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, so, so a bit more relaxed now. Um, and focusing on um, the main thing actually is doing a big migration of this sort of platform that we run um, onto some new servers and... It's been a bit of a pain because we don't really have too much access to the original servers. So I've had to actually use FTP to like download 
I don't know, like 20 gig of stuff. And so wow. I, I've had to do it in like sections because otherwise like it, oh, it's just been such a pain. Yeah. So that's what I'm been, I'm probably doing that for the next week, I reckon. Oof. Fun Holy times moly. ahead. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's jump into it. Um, exploring what types of roles exist in our front-end development. Um, where, where do you sit on this uh, subject, Sam? Um, it's, it's an interesting one because, yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, it's not really something, um, well, I mean, it is something that's not immediately recognized, from my opinion, in, in kind of development. Um, I guess taking, taking myself back a few years, um, working in development and being heavy in it, um, particularly when bigger, like the JavaScript libraries were coming out, like React mm-hmm. View and, and I know they've been out a while but when they started to really gain momentum I saw, I started to see a wave of developers come in um, that were basically saying they hated CSS and yep. if you're in right. front end de- and you're in front end, if you're in front end development and you're a bit of a veteran like me um, you CSS is like the bread and butter so, you know if if mm-hmm. If you were to be if you were to be um, described as a developer way back in the day, it would be like oh the front end they do the pretty parts they make things look pretty and then yep, the, yep. the back end developers do all the the, the intelligent stuff or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, right. So when when I saw these developers coming in and saying that they hate CSS, they can't get their head around it, and I heard people use the term it's like a variable that you're setting properties on and things like this. It, it struck me as being quite strange because I came into development because I wanted to make stuff look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then digging a bit deeper, it was it was sort of you know you still had those you still had those developers who were very much wanting to make stuff look pretty, but you had these developers who literally just wanted to sit in a dark room and and figure out the logic on these things and and that made me realize there there are two types of, of developers coming into the front end which people aren't i say people um employers aren't recognizing and playing to those strengths you know sending in heavy duty lot you know i call them front end engineers they're, uh-huh. the, they're the developers who are far more interested in logic and the how that because in in the, in the past a lot of the logic and a lot of the database um, you know manipulation and getting those things all kind of happened on the back end but now we're bringing up more client side that kind of mentality of um, back end developers is coming into the the front end and they're they're far, they're quite happy to sit there and they they would be they'd be it would be better to get them doing that kind of logical stuff because then because their their front end the styling aspect sucks they're not interested in the pixel pushing and all that kind of thing um and then you've got the style developers who are who who cannot get their head around javascript they're they're much more interested in making things animate and having things work well for the user and you know like i say pixel pushing um and they're much better to suit that you know um rather than getting a, a really watered down solution where you're you're chucking developers in who who can't who uh, who struggle with that um play to their strengths is kind of what i'm saying so it's it's not immediately being recognized and and that's that i've i felt 
quite passionate about that for for quite some time, and I only really feel like it's come into into the discussion of, of front end development in the last probably six months. Even I only started to see big names on Twitter popping up saying saying this distinction and, and recognizing this distinction. But I think pl- yep. empl- employers could benefit from recognizing that distinction too. So do you reckon we'll see or we'll start seeing soon there'll be a lot more roles that are more front-end engineer and then sort of front-end styling or, or something like that to sort of make those distinctions a bit more? Yeah, I think I think there's, it, it needs to come from two aspects. It needs to, it needs to come from um, a recognition from the developers um, to understand that you need a niche in, in the sort of market. And, and to be honest, I only really f- figured this out uh, starting my own company understanding that you need a niche and you, you need to be recognized in a in a specific niche because then you're the go-to person mm-hmm. for that kind of work and then I, I sort of sent a tweet about it um a few weeks ago thinking actually that that advice could have really benefited me when i was employed uh-huh. because it doesn't stop me doing the other stuff absolutely doesn't stop me you know jumping in a bit of node and doing a back, bit of back end and all the rest of it but it, if if I can stand out in one particular area, then I'm that go-to person. And if you're, and if the developers are ready to hold their hands up and say, you know what, I'm a UI developer. If you need stuff to look pristine, pixel perfect, then I'm your go-to person. Um, so it needs a bit of a push from the developers to to be comfortable. Um, and, and I'm sure Tom, you can you can sort of. Um, agree with this that designers are also kind of guilty of this in in that they want to be doing everything they love being creative and they want to do everything um developers want to do what kind of want to do everything as well because they don't want to miss a chance whereas standing up and saying i'm good at this thing i'm i'm your i'm your guy or gal for this type of role then then i think we'll start to see it but then and then that will that will actually you know nudge the employers then and for them to say oh okay people are people are not refusing per se but people are making a stand to say this is the direction I'm good at and if this is the type of developer that you need then hire me or whatever so I think it needs to come from both ends but only until that happens then we might see that coming in yeah that's interesting I feel like it's it's almost sort of what's happened in terms of the industry maybe five, ten years ago when UI and UX sort of roles started becoming more specific and actual their own roles and own skills as opposed to developers and designers yeah. sort of doing that, that work as well. So I wonder if we'll see that sort of same progression of how that's worked. That's um, a really re- spot on, I think. Yeah, I didn't draw that, draw that distinction, but yeah, the UI, UX thing is because they're different skill sets. 100 percent yeah take take a different mentality you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i tried my hand at a bit of ux the other day and and it it pays i mean i'm i'm a big advocate or not an advocate but i'm a big um recognizer of of context switching i think it absolutely destroys our days by context Uh switching and Mm. and staying staying in the one area you know um for instance ux if you stay in that area you're you're on fire you know you're on fire through the whole day because you're you're just in that mindset jumping between ui and ux it everything gets watered down and and maybe that's a similar approach to take with developers yes you can have that you can take on the engineer role or you could take on the ui developer role but make it a priority in that day or that moment or that project that you are 
just going to focus on that. Yeah, because- definitely. I love that. And that's, that's something we've covered before <laughs> because I, I talk a lot about um, being sort of uh, a, a developer and, and I guess this whole podcast is around, you know, being a developer or a designer and having a bit of knowledge about the other trade. And so we talk about how as a, a lot of developers will sort of, they'll build something and then think of it more from a development point of view and then just sort of hand it over without thinking from a design point of view. Hey, does actually this look nice and everything? And so mm. I always talk about, hey, once you've sort of built something, take a step back and then t- take a like a, a purposeful look at it from a design perspective and go through it and design, critique your own work and mm. then like hand it over. So I think it's that purposeful sort of switch that you do to then sort of look at these things in, in a different way, whether that mm. be from a UX perspective or a you know front end or, or whatever it is perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, it would be interesting to see how that mentality um, would exist in the, again, I'm using my own terminology here, but that um, front-end engineer, mm-hmm. you know. I guess code reviews are there to do that do that kind of thing. But again, it's just it's just staying within that world and staying within that, that domain which will help you shine, yeah, you know. Yeah. And Tom, do you sort of see a distinction or, or something similar to this sort of in the design world of designer? So these roles sort of starting to somewhat emerge maybe or, or different, yeah, specialties, I guess, maybe in a way you could call it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess with any profession, there's, there's nuance that exists within it. Mm. And it's only once working within that pr- profession, mm. you kind of start to see how... Yeah, the deeper and deeper you get, you're like, yeah yeah kind of how varied it can be and I guess it's like anything it's like talking about positioning and and becoming hyper focused with an area of um, specialization it's like okay I make toasted cheese sandwiches for like you know women between the ages of 46 and 49 Um, but even then within that it's like all right so we've touched on toast and cheese and the process for toasting has so there's so many different ways you can slice that and cheese like come on cheese is a whole galaxy um in the same way that like for designers like okay i'm a print designer and even within print it's like okay so what kind you know yeah yeah are, are you do you position yourself as the kind of mass quantities low price print designer or are you the kind of specialty print designer who focuses Mm. on particular paper stocks and printing techniques and have relationships with yeah specialty yeah yeah print stores as well so uh i'm not sure if that directly addresses your question nick but i I think um yeah a, a lot of there's a lot of scope um in the the world of design um but in saying that having a understanding of the other elements can only help absolutely um, yeah because ultimately yeah, it all w- needs to be interconnected and, and working together sure. so like having having friends who are developers like you guys mm. um, to have conversations about websites you know it's just like a treasure trove of of insights um, mm-hmm. that don't exist sure. in my brain you know yeah yeah, I wouldn't. I, I mean, going back to the developer thing, I wouldn't. I, I would fully endorse um, if you if you are stronger in the UI stuff. I would. Def, you know, you you can't exist as a developer without knowing the the logical stuff, and you know, it, it will become. It's just playing to your strengths, but recognizing at the end of the day, you are you you've got to bring that knowledge and bring that understanding of other areas and 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 use that to your advantage as well so yeah it's not i I wouldn't want to say just you know 
put the blinkers on and just go down the UI uh-huh. developer uh-huh. route or the you know engineer route. But and it's yeah. the T, isn't it? It's the classic T, isn't it? Just yeah. have yeah. your specialty, understand your specialty, and and um, branch out in those areas if you need to. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And and I think you know, and that sort of covers the whole premise of the podcast, right, Tom? Is that developers should know more about design designers should know more about developers because in doing so you can work together just so much more efficiently and better and the results are always better and you can enjoy it a lot more and that for i guess sh- sure. you know stems down to really specific roles in very specific job titles and everything as well so the, the more broad knowledge you can have the, the better you can sort of integrate all the pieces that that need to come together eventually absolutely and it, it might be something as it can be a single detail, like a single a single thing that's considered in creating website designs, for example. Like if I think think back a little, not a long, not that long ago, um, I wish I could say it was longer. <laughs> but um, working on a website design, and then it's like, okay, so what happens when we continue to make the browser wider? Like there's yeah, no max yeah. max width baked into this design, mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. tiny thing like that changes the entire approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like picking up on these little things along the way. It's like another one was like designing in multiples of eight, like for like all sizes tied back to uh-huh. a multiple of eight. Um, and that was a huge one. And, and it just made like um, setting hierarchy so much more efficient. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that one. Do you want to go into a bit more detail on that? Because I found um, myself using that and just it made it, it it's one of those things where you add the restrictions to something and there's less choices and it just makes it so much easier and things look you know quite quickly way better yeah for sure um it's yeah well it's it's rather than having a whole range of different sizes um or like proportions to define hierarchy it's like okay there's there's maybe four or five sizes that can be used throughout the whole site. So it might be like a hero um, element is like the largest size and then like the padding at the top of each section is like the second largest all the way mm-hmm. down to like the s- small margins on either side of the page. But everything's a multiple of eight. Yeah. And then using that multiplier, it's like even... It doesn't always work, but sometimes it can even be all of the, the type sizes are a multiple of eight as well. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like if H1's right at the top, um, you can div- keep dividing that by like two until you get down to like the body copy. Um, again, it's not like a hard and fast thing, but using this mm-hmm. kind of, this, this multiplier just like simplifies a lot of design decisions that have to be made. Yeah, no, I like it. Is this um, is this multiple of eight thing similar in development to two two spaces or four spaces or a tab? <laughs> um, why, why eight? Because I think I've uh, I've heard four as a multiple yeah. thing. Is there any specific I reason? I think it, it's the current it's the number that currently divides best into all of the available screen widths. Uh, okay. Um, Interesting. And yeah, like I think. Four, four might be getting a little small in that you'd never sent, set a typeface in four point. Mm. Eight yeah. would probably it's be good. the minimum. And I think the good thing about eight is that it, it restricts you enough that there's not too many options, but also there are enough to make things work. It's probably what I imagine that. 
Yeah, it's like twelve column grid and all the rest of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. They're the most flexible. Yeah, and that, that is, it's good to know those things from a from uh, a developer too, because we will. You, you you set up variables and things like that in your in your style, um, and if you if you have a style sheet that you know that every padding is going to be you know the its biggest one is, is twenty four or whatever, yeah, you set yeah. those variables up, and then your your challenge is to only use those variables, and that just creates consistency consistency mm-hmm. throughout the. And, uh, and would yeah. that that would that be something you could you'd set up you could set up in SAS like like big exactly. padding, medium padding, little padding, and just like yeah put that yeah okay. Cool. Exactly, it becomes a bit trickier when you when you start to use style components and things like that. SAS is still widely used, but with React and um, kind of view projects, you, you do it in JavaScript, so it becomes a bit of a, a less. Um, it, in my opinion, it looks a bit uglier. But I, I got into a massive argument on Twitter about, <laughs> about <laughs> the ugliness of uh, st- how how style components can be. But yeah, you set them up. You set them up at the beginning. It's great when a designer hands you like a style guide and with all the measurements and things like that. You can you can just you can just zone out for a day or half a day or whatever and just set up all your variables and then set a linter to say you know do not use anything other than these variables. It's uh, that, that's yeah, a really interesting like, point though, and. and- perhaps something to consider as a designer um, preparing website designs for development is to think about do these are there variables or rather are there clear components that can be stretched across the whole website absolutely Um, and I think it really depends as well on what the front end devs are building something with so like if it is a front end framework like Vue or React or, or Angular or something then you need to think of it as like a component-based um, design. So every little piece sort of can be reused and moved and put other places. Um, whereas if you're building sort of a more regular web or regular website, um, that that's a little bit different there. Mm. I um yeah, it's I've often you know challenged design or designers um, if they've have gone a bit. I think it's maybe it's an OCD thing where you kind of want all the numbers to 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 match or whatever. But um, it can be a learning thing for designers when they come and you know talk about the design, talk about components, something like that. And then you and as a developer, you recognise oh, there's there's lots of fonts, or you've done a H two here at the size of thirty two pixels, but then you've done another H two here at twenty four, like. There's, you challenge them in that respect, so it's just it, it is great for a designer to come from that perspective. Um, very refreshing as well when they when they do. Yeah, and a, a, an awesome an awesome resource brings to mind um, when when thinking about this, and I believe it's um, it's like a, a standalone like micro site that Figma created, um, and the exact title I can't recall but it's basically design systems and it shows how you know you can just keep zooming um into a, a website design and ultimately you're just going to see it's it's just this system of components um you know the h1 size h2 size h3 body copy all the color values all the different button styles like everything's in there um and mm. it, it was and you're right it, was it a, is designsystems.com yeah cool yeah, um, I think that's well, an awesome resource. Um, absolutely, mm. it is so good. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've got, 
yeah, I've got a bone to pick. I've got bone to pick with Figma then, because uh, I think <laughs> I think another common misconception with design systems is uh, a UI pattern library. Whereas going into a design system, you're talking about an evolving um, visual language where it's it's forever evolving and it's like a, a an organization wide effort. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they've chosen the term design system there. I think they've they've jumped on to yeah. Do you are you guys aware of the 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 kind of design system kind of thing? Like is that something Go through you guys it. let us know? Yeah. 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 So like, well, we, I mean, having a having a, a component library or something like that is great for us, and I guess that's what we've spoken about just now with the um, the the fact that you think of a component in a component kind of way and atomic architecture and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I guess, yeah, the, the, what, what design system is meant to do is, is it's meant to be a forever evolving visual language that is, is, is contributed by, by every member of the, of, of an organization, you know, whether that's print or digital, it doesn't really matter where it's come from. So I'm assuming the Figma tool, I might actually search that now, but I'm, I'm assuming the Figma tool is, uh, I, I guess a UI library. Or something. Um, I I think it, it it it's more an exploration of how you can set up. Um, a, yeah, a, a a base set of styles for a website. Um, yeah. it's not like hey here go and copy and paste this. It's more like here's how this website was broken down into components, or, or here's mm. the system it was built from. Um, so is there? Are you referencing like? Because it sounds like um, there's an, there's another definition of design system that exists in the the stratosphere. So is that is that something that you've um, been exposed to recently? Um, yeah, oh, I say recently when I was a developer. Yeah, um, probably around Christmas time there was a big thing, big push around design systems, and uh, there are there are a few companies who who just did design systems, and and, and there was there was um, a lot of um, tossing and turning around actually white labeling a design system and how that kind of isn't possible because a design system should in in the same way a brand should be reflective of a company and what their needs are and what their users are it's very difficult to white label a design system and then sell that off so um yeah there was lots of discussion um around christmas time around what is the design system and the misconceptions and things like that so um, the, bit, the, the the easiest distinction that was made was the difference between a UI kit or a, a style guide and, and the components that make up that that style guide versus the forever evolving company-wide effort in improving the design language or the visual language of a, of a company. So, yeah. Maybe maybe discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That that would be a really good discussion for another day. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, it's <laughs> a big one. So anything else you want guys want to talk about? Well, one thing that's I'm I'm guessing is pretty obvious um, in both of your minds, but not always um, for designers or or just the the broader communities the distinction between the front end and the back end and the kind of different um, tasks that are performed in each um, mm. yeah I know it's pretty intro um, to 
dev kind of stuff, but um, I'd still be interested to, to hear how both of you describe that distinction. Yeah, it's mm. interesting. I think um, what, what is interesting about that distinction is that even 10 years ago when somebody said, oh, I'm a developer, it could mean so many different things. Or even if you say I'm a web developer, it could mean so many different things. Or a web designer even sometimes meant web developer. And this, and these sort of roles, I guess, have been evolving so much uh, recently. Um, but I guess at least the distinction probably between front and back end, um, like Sam was saying before, you know, there's now that these front end frameworks are coming out, um, mm. and lots of stuff and lots of logics happening on the client side. There's lots of quote-unquote back-end developers that are now sort of moving over into this front-end world um, mm. but still touching a lot of back-end stuff as well now. So it's it's definitely, they're definitely sort of overlapping. You know, if it was a Venn diagram, like they're, they're slowly moving mm. closer and closer towards each other. Yeah. And that, like I say, that mindset is like... It, the mindset of logic and and just like I say, sitting in a dark room and and just thinking about how to optimize things. That mm-hmm. those micro optimizations is is also there. There is the, the Venn diagram is a perfect example. Actually, it's it's very interesting. Um, but I guess the the distinction is still it can be pretty broad because uh, particularly from a security aspect you don't want to be doing a lot of things on the front end so although you can save the server a lot of um you know time and resources having to do some calculations you can just do on on the front end um especially in fintech you probably won't want to do a lot of those calculations on the front end even though you potentially could it just opens you opens the the back-end systems um out to a bit of um uh, harm basically but um, the way I, I don't know the, the, the way I've thought about backends or the way I've always des- described backend developers is is mostly interacting with databases you know yeah. you have yeah. a you have a have a, a, a sort of um, a layer if you will if you're going to stack all these things up you have a layer that a front end hits and then this the, the, this back end layer knows which database to hit um which I, you know, I, you could even separate those kind of because I know I know developers who love love a good database table, and they they love mapping them up and all the rest of it. And I'm sure I'm sure that's a very different mindset as well from what is typically known as a backend developer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, set up, creating APIs and things like that might be a might be a skill set that could be an art form in itself. Um, but that, that for me, that's how I would describe a backend developer, and it's not really my expertise. And you know, I would never, I would never dare call myself a full stack developer. Um, and but, a full stack means across backend and front end. Yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. And so I yeah. think, like, I'm pretty much in agreement there, Sam. I reckon it, it's you could almost say that, at least in modern applications, that the the line is the API, right? So where the front end hits some point or some server um, and gets data back, that's sort of front end. And then the back end is when something hits an API, you've got to deliver that information and, and run that business logic. So I think that the back end is interacting with the database, doing business logic, and then serving data to a front end. Mm. And that, bi- and that and business then- logic, I guess what I mean by that, I, I remember when I first sort of was reading what business logic meant and it was kind of, um, it's a bit arbitrary maybe the word but I guess what it is is it's things that need to happen in the back end so that um, or, or like processes or, or manipulating data so that it can be either fed to the client or fed into the database so 
Um, it could be, you know, validation or computing things or accessing other parts of the application or accessing external applications as well before it then either serves data to the front end or puts into the database or something like that. Mm. And then, and then of course, then the front end is taking that data and then visually representing it but of course as we've touched upon like you can do you can do a lot more computation now with the with the front end and because it is um you know it's it's it effectively slows down a website if you're making constant mm. calls to the back end and then that's doing a bit of logic and and sending it back it slows down a website um I think I think even Google punishes you for more the more um sort of requests you make it, it it treats that as a as a, a bad website, right. um, but yeah. So now now we, if we can take a lot a load of data, maybe it's maybe it's even the, everything a site needs. Obviously, if security is going out the window, you could in, in effect have all the data you need to represent that and 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 do it all on the front end. But that's kind of the biggest um, distinctions in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nick, are you are you in the front end camp or are you in the back end camp or are you full stack yourself? Um, I'd probably call myself full stack at this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I I was trained initially in front end, um, and this was sort of before. Um, oh, this is probably when Angular One was sort of just coming out, or even just maybe before Angular One was coming out. Um, Rest in peace. So I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I played a lot with. Um, yeah, like the front end stuff and, and jQuery and built, and it was even building like little single page apps using jQuery and stuff like that. And I think mm. they had a little library that would do page tra- or quote unquote page transitions and whatever. Mm. Um, but then as yeah, time went on, then I started working more and more in the back end. And I guess my transition was probably through using a lot of PHP, which definitely sits in both camps, I guess, depending on what you're mm. doing. Like it can be templating, obviously, but then it also is the back end language, or it can be the back end language as well. So that was probably where I had sort of a transition or a view into the back end um and now yeah definitely do both yeah do you think that's yeah. a good way to a, a good vehicle for transitioning into back end or it just so happened yeah, definitely. to happen that way and, no i think it's and i think it's quite common as well like php is a relatively simple language in terms of being able to read it and understand what what's happening with it um and so I think, and that's probably part of the reason that a lot of PHP code you see isn't very good is because it's so easy to pick up. And that's why it's got a bad name for itself as a language um, mm-hmm. when really it's it's not. Um, but but yeah, but definitely, I mean, and like the classic um, path, which is what I took is um, WordPress websites and sort of not, and, and doing more front end stuff for, the, for a WordPress website and yeah. you know, playing with PHP every now and then to then just kind start of where to I'm get at now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, as you play with that, you get more understanding of PHP and then you sort of start working further and further into the back end with it. I think that's a pretty common path. Yeah, mm. cool. For me, it was like a bit of a understanding the back end. As a front-end developer, I remember I remember going through a bit of a freak-out moment because <laughs> I just could not understand what the back end was there for. I was, uh-huh. just, I was just like, like I'm, just get, I'm just assuming that this data is just going to appear on my page. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, granted, I, I, we were working for Vodafone at the time, and I don't think they're uh, the organisation of the um, front and the back end developers was particularly good. We weren't running uh-huh. agile projects, so we were just we would just create these templates basically and not have a clue what they would do with them. And then when we saw them live, it would just be a disaster. But um, so there was a disconnect there, and I think that um, understood 
going back to empowering yourself as um, a developer, understanding just a bit about what the back end does can definitely make you a bigger uh, and better developer. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going back to my original point, there is there is a mindset there. There is a type, there is a personality there that better fits the logical side of things. I think yep, yep. you could be, you could be a front end engineer or a back end developer. Um, again, my term. Um, and, and I think they, or the, the, the biggest difference there would be which language do you choose? Sure. Cause they're sure, sure. different, right? But the, the mindset and the mentality is effectively the same. Whereas, yep. There's a real, I think there's a real divide with the the UI developers. Yeah. Um, do you do you find yourself? Do you would you agree, Nick? Then uh, of the UI stuff, do you find maybe one a bit of a, a yeah, headache yeah. to be dealing with? Uh-huh. Um, definitely. Yeah. I'm. Well, at least a year ago, I would definitely be more in the back end camp and the sort mm. of logic building. Um, and that was mainly because I hated CSS layouts. I was mm. fine with everything else, but just laying things out using floats and columns and stuff just did my head in. But mm. now that Flexbox and Grid is able to be used on most projects, depending on what your audience is, I guess. Um, but now that those things are available, I find it so much easier um, and kind of probably enjoy both. Um, mm. But I guess, you know, it, when doing a project... Those are the you know those are only sort of two roles as well um, in terms of things like like you like mentioned before like um like database architecting and, and information design and mm. all those other pieces that play into it as well which I enjoy all of them so I, I do enjoy having having a, a touch of everything at the moment for sure yeah yeah and just on that um flexbox um detail Nick I think it might be worth mentioning to our listeners a great resource for for learning that which is um a youtube video series that west boss has released and it's one i'm in the middle of now and it's it's just awesome nice. it's it's so yeah, easy to follow he's, he's and really engaging content cool. so we'll drop that mm. in the show notes as well yep. try um try a flexbox froggy as well that's quite yeah, fun yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> oh, yeah, i linked cool. on that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a great little resource but yeah yeah, yeah um i i actually um i run a I have put together a course because um, there was it was on seeing um, tons of developers coming in and really struggling with CSS and personally I don't think I've ever had trouble with CSS and again that might be a mindset thing but I put together a course because there are some foundational things that really help you understand the the mention of the float um, thing really brought to mind this um, Mm -hmm. reminded me of this that the understanding what float is doing and what is actually how it's affecting the layout can really just it's it's a simple bit of knowledge but it can really underpin and the course is kind of called foundation uh oh jesus i've forgotten the name of the course now um found front end foundation or something fundamental front end that's the one fundamental fundamental front end it's is what i believe are the fundamentals of of thinking about it now probably more ui developer uh, mm-hmm. we don't we, we haven't we haven't brought javascript into the into the course yet because it is mainly just html and css but yep. it it's, it's it's important to understand not only what the properties do but how they affect other css objects so like uh CSS elements, sorry um if you were to float something even though you've not applied css to anything else it does have an effect on those other mm-hmm. uh, other other um, elements. So, um, 
again, it, it's, it's just it is just a big mind. You know, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear, but it is a big mind fact to to get get your head around the CSS sometimes. And that was that was a big surprise. I think that was that led me on this kind of journey of of wow, there are, there are people who really struggle with CSS, and that's fine. Um, it's just it just goes to show that there are different developers uh, yep, and different yep. minds at play there. Mm, and it would be good if it would be good it would be good if if employers recognize that as well because yeah i think i think it is good to play to people's strengths and and understand um well if if developers can as hard again as hard as a pill it is to swallow if a developer can really just get them make themselves known in the in the workplace as i'm the developer to go to for your shit hot ui design then, then you're going to be the the person to go to, and you're going to get those sorts of sorts of roles. So if you can if you can recognise that you're, and and be honest and accepting to the fact that you are really good at design and the the UI side, and you're not so good at that side, then it it just makes it easier for for an employer just to place you in a role. This is going to be a UI heavy piece of work, so we're going to need a good UI yeah, developer. Yeah. Sam's that person who's good at that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, awesome. Well, I think uh, that's probably all we've got time yeah. for today. Thanks so much, Sam, for coming on. Um, yeah, thanks, and Nick, for, for calling in from, from Thailand. Also appreciate that. No worries. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. Bye.